You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, gang? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email us, you can reach us at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay, and it looks like they're calling for some clear skies up there today, Tim. But I'll tell you what, man, it's a little bit, a little bit nippy in the morning, isn't it? Just a wee bit. Yeah, it's a bit chipper up here, but it uh, looks like uh, Sunday is going to be beautiful um, fall slash winter uh, football here in uh, Titletown. So looking forward to bringing that uh, those those pretty boys from L.A. over to uh, over to 1265 for some real November football outside in the elements. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And if I understood correctly, uh, Justin Herbert made a comment about no snow. He didn't want any snow, right? Oh, um, which I got to admit, man, I like him. He seems like if you if you wanted a franchise quarterback, you wanted him, you know, kind of like Jordan, the way they carry themselves, you know. Um, he's just one of those quiet leaders that he's got he's got all the tools in the bag. I just think he's kind of kind of dealt a crappy hand with the head coach. That's just my personal opinion, just based off of the opinions of other people that I respect a lot and his kind of renegade of going forward on fourth down and quote unquote, trusting the analytics and not taking anything into consideration about how the game is flowing. Right. Um, but yeah, Justin Herbert, I think is a, a solid dude though, but nonetheless, man, like you said, coming from beautiful, beautiful LA, right? Uh, well, Pretty weather, LA. From what I've heard, I'm just saying <laughs> it's uh it's gonna be a little bit of a change coming up into Green Bay for sure. Let's uh let's go to the chat here, give a shout out. Boz, good morning, buddy. Appreciate you being in here. United Bates in the house, Chris N and Nick McSwain. Uh, love it, man. Love it, love it, love it. Let's see. Uh Nick McSwain right off the bat says, Where are the odds Goody is gonna take Razul pick and package it to trade up? You know, that that makes a lot of sense, Nick. And when the trade happened, it kind of felt like okay. Let's let's forget that Razul was a, a team leader and a great player. Right? Let's forget that for a second and just look at, okay, you picked up a third-round pick. And like I said, you gave up a fifth, okay? Let's forget whether or not we think it was good value. You've got an extra third. You know, talking to Paul Brettel, he looked at the trade chart, the trade value chart, uh, when he was on the show a couple weeks ago. And I asked him – somebody asked, asked him on the fly here in the chat, and I put it up on the screen and said, uh, what would it take to get up from six to, like, say, three? Right. And uh, the trade chart suggested to get into the top three. I'm pretty sure we settled on three, but to go from six to three, you'd have to give the number six pick and two second round picks. So both of your second round picks and that just to move up a few spots. I mean, it's a lot of a lot of draft capital. But again, that's why it's important to, to kind of look at it like if if your guy is sitting there and you know slam dunk which we know there are no slam dunks but if this front office is like no that's the quarterback of the future you're willing to sell the farm to get him in house i mean you've got to run it through the filter of you know and and this is assuming love isn't the guy i'm not saying he isn't okay so i know there's some people going how dare you trust me i'm i'm a big love fan too and i want it to pan out but if you if you come at it from that angle, what you're essentially saying is when the, the people who say, ah, that's too much, I wouldn't give it up. Okay, so you're telling me you wouldn't trade a sixth and two twos for Pat Mahomes? You wouldn't trade, you know, the number six and two twos for, you know, I won't even say Justin Herbert. Let's say Lamar Jackson, who right now is the MVP front runner. I know people still like to bash Lamar and pretend like he's not a quarterback, but that dude is He's I don't happy. understand that. I'll never understand that yeah. at all. I mean, I used to say that early in his career. I was like, oh, he's one of these gadget guys. He's a runner. And Ralph right? so early, right? Almost like what we said about, you know, or we currently say about Justin Fields, right? You know, tailback dis disguised as a as a quarterback or whatever. But, yeah. man, I've been looking at some of Lamar's tape and some of these throws that he makes. And, like, I mean, nearly every throw he has is off platform. And, and they're money. So you can't. You can't drag Lamar, man. He's got an arm. 
And uh, the dude's dude is a quarterback. I don't, I'm, I mean, the debate is over at this point, I think. Yeah, no doubt. A number one Packer fan in the house. We got Paul Robertson in here. Carly Ray, good morning. Good morning to you guys. Appreciate you swinging through. Let's see. Nick McSwain in the chat says, I know Marvin Harrison Jr. is good, but is there anyone else besides quarterback who would even be worth it? Um, the, you know, it's, it's early. I'll say that. What I like to – before I start to make kind of these predictions, assumptions, whatever, as far as talent evaluation and where they're actually ranked, I like to wait till the college football season wraps up because you still got some big games coming up, right? And and it's all kind of incomplete, if you will. Now, some people are like, oh, we have to wait till after the combine. I'm not one of those guys. To me, the combine should confirm what you've seen on tape. It shouldn't be, you know, the tape shows this, man, he's really good, but I don't know his combine numbers a little one. I don't look at it like that. I strictly go off of, hey, look, here's what the tape says. And then when you've got a handful of guys that, wow, their combine confirmed that, now now you've got a slam dunk in my opinion. So with that being said, is Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, you know, he's good, but is anyone else besides quarterback, uh, would it be worth it to trade up? In my opinion, no. I'm going to ask your take here, Tim, but you guys know I always lean on the Bill Walsh school of thought. The wide receiver is the last piece you put in place. And we got some young receivers kind of where the 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 uh, the dirt's starting to settle at the bottom. You know what I mean? We're starting to get kind of uh, the, the better receivers in this group are really starting to show up a little bit. And you're going to build your base, much like we talked about building the base in the safety room last night. But uh, Tim, what do you think, man? You think uh, any anybody other than a quarterback would be willing to would be worth giving up your number number six pick and two twos to go up and get? Well, you know me, I I defer to uh, Jake Shavink with uh, any draft questions because that that's who I go to. And you're starting um, to get into it a little bit more. Right? Starting to get into it a little bit more, uh, especially you know in regards to you know how it relates to the pack. Um, but I do know that um, I don't think there's a debate. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a generational talent uh, at the receiver position. Um, he's probably going to go on to have a really stellar career in the National Football League. And, um, you know, we've talked about drafts before, best best available, right, you know, when you're picking. Now, if you're talking about packaging to trade up, you know, I had said from the, from the moment that Rasul trade went through, my first reaction was he's going to package this this pick. There's There's just – that's what I see happening um, and make a move. Now, the question is for who and for what? Um, as far as quarterbacks, I, my understanding, it is a pretty quarterback heavy draft. I think a lot of this is going to depend on how Jay Money looks at the end of this season. You know, is yeah. um, is he the dude? I think if we know he's the dude, then we have our answer. We're not going to trade up and get a quarterback. Um, yeah. If he ends this season kind of shaky and there's any doubt whatsoever, I I wouldn't be surprised if we moved up and took somebody. Um, but I will say this, you know, let's say we uh, we know Jordan's our guy and we're looking at weapons. And, yeah, it's tempting to uh, to try and get Marvin Harrison there in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. What does that mean to the rest of our receiving core? Because I look at the guys that we have now and, um, you know, there's some under the radar names that I think you know, going into year two or, or training camp next year may make some noise. You know, guys like Grant DeBose, uh, Malik Heath, Bo Melton. There, there are there are young receivers behind the guys like Scoot and Jaden Reed and Dobbs and, you know, the, the pass catchers we're used to seeing. So, you know, what does that mean if we bring a guy like Marvison, Marvin Harrison Jr. in? What, what does that do to our receiver room and who do we have to trade or who do we have to release or who do we have to look at? you know, sitting on a roster and not suiting up or not getting touches, you know, Malik Heath's a great example. I, you know, I thought he was a shining star at, at training camp and uh, you know, much to um, my happiness, he made the team. We haven't seen a lot of Malik Heath this year. Most of that is due to the play of Jaden Reed, uh, Tay Wicks. So, you know, snaps are hard to come by. I mean, you, you, I mean, I learned this the first time I charted a game. It's like you really – you chart a game, you're like, wow, this goes by quick. Wow, look how many plays we we really run. I mean, snaps are hard to come by in the NFL, let alone targets. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I Besides quarterback, I don't know. I would love to see offensive or defensive line drafted. But, you know, we got to look at the draft and see is that is it worth it for us to trade up and package picks to move up. You know, it may make sense to move down. We've seen that before. Yep. And steal something in the second or third round or, you know, I, so I don't know. 
my draft analysis is subpar at best. I defer to Jake Shavink. It's always draft season. <laughs> Make sure you give him a follow and, um, you know, steal his expertise like I do. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. Lena, you know, the old saying, what is it? If I've seen farther than anyone, it's because I've sat on the shoulders of giants, right? That's right. Um, that's anything I've ever done professionally in life, I say professionally, but anything career-wise in life, it was I had some great people that were saying, hey, Clayton, man, you got a good attitude. Let me show you how to do this and just go and listen. Yep. And be <laughs> right. humble enough to, to just shut up and learn and, and soak it up, take yeah, notes. Absolutely. But since we were on the Marvin Harrison <clears throat> uh, topic here, just to briefly hit on it, uh, JPA Football on Twitter posted a picture of him yesterday, and they said, trending, star uh, Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. says he doesn't want to be remembered for his performance on the field, but by his kindness and how he treated people. Um, quote, I don't want anyone to remember the awards, touchdowns, or yards. And he went on to, you know, talk about just being a, a blessing and helping people. And of course, uh, Pack Daddy Ryan Slip quote tweeted that and put Marvin Harrison out here recruiting the Packers. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, um, but we, we were kind of touching on Jordan Love there for a second. And I thought this would be really cool. It's funny how you guys come in here and steer the ship and everything's right on track. But uh, we'll get back to the chat here in a second, gang. This is uh, this is kind of cool. So. You've heard of the 33rd team, right? You guys know I mention them a lot. Um, it's a website that's uh, – as soon as I heard Tannenbaum um, talk about what he was putting together or helping put together over at the 33rd team, I don't know how the structure of power works over there. They send me stuff on the tw on Twitter, but even before that, that's probably why they send it because they've heard me promote them. Um, big fans of what they do. And the reason being is it's called the 33rd team because they basically took former football people and put together the 33rd team in the league. And they approach the draft as if they were the 33rd team. They approach uh, self-scouting. Well, self-scouting, they don't have a team, but scouting across the league as if they were scouting for opponents, looking at strength of schedule, all those things. So the people that, you know, there's been people in the past when I mentioned the 33rd team, they go, it's a joke, it's a joke. Let me, let me explain to you who runs the 33rd team, okay? They have 10 coaches on staff. Former head coaches, Chuck Pagano, Jay Gruden, Marvin Lewis, um, Bill Parcells, you ever heard of him? Wade Phillips, Mike Martz, Leslie Frazier, Dave Wanstab, Greg Roman, and Eric Mangini. Okay, so they got those on staff. Contributors, they've got Dean Blandino, the former NFL VP of officiating. So you've got the, the officiating side covered. You've got uh, Andy Benoit, who is a uh, the head of football analysis. So you've got the, the – I don't – I'm just going to say he'd probably take it as a compliment. He's one of those stat geeks, one of those stat nerds, right? You can just tell this this dude was born in a spreadsheet. Uh, Charles Davis, he's obviously play-by-play, uh, -play, or I'm sorry, color commentary for CBS. Trey Wingo, we know who Trey Wingo is, been with Sports Center for a long time or was with Sports Center for a long time. Greg Cosell, you know he, me, he's the tape god, right? He's the dude who's been watching football decades before I was even born. He's absolutely awesome at breaking down the tape. Um, you've got Dr. Jess Flynn, and she is a sports medicine physician. So you've got the medical aspect covered. You've got uh, Ari Mirov, who's an NFL insider, bringing all the inside news. You've got a film analyst in uh, Derek Klassen. You've got Jade McCarthy. Uh, she's an award-winning broadcaster, kind of bringing the TV side. And you've got senior writer Vic, uh, Vic Carucci, who uh, I don't know if you guys remember when NFL, um, serious NFL radio launched. He was one of the very first hosts there. So the, you jump to the front office side. You got Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL executive. Joe Banner, former NFL executive. Bill Polian, Hall of Fame team executive. Rick Spielman, award-winning NFL executive. I think he won Executive of the Year. And then Jeff Diamond, award-winning NFL executive. If some of you guys are going, well, that's just all front office, whatever. On staff player-wise, Amon Ross St. Brown from the Detroit Lions. Fred Warner from the 49ers. Rondé Barber you know, former cornerback for the Giants, Rich Gannon, NFL MVP quarterback, Wayne Shrebet, uh, former NFL wide receiver. You know, he played for the Jets. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown used to play for the Packers. You've got uh, Lavarius Coles. Uh, La I'm sorry. I can't say his name right. God, I've watched him forever, too, with the Jets. He actually lined up aside from uh, Wayne Shrebet. Anyway, Coles. I'll just sit, keep it at Coles. I'm trying. I'm looking at the name, Tim, and I can't pronounce it. And I've said it thousands of times, I bet, back when he was playing football because he was just a dog in the number, in, inside the numbers. Chase Daniel, NFL quarterback, all-pro cornerback, Samari Rowe, and Ross Tucker. You guys know I'm a big 
Ross Tucker fans, a former offensive lineman. I say all that because when they give an opinion on something, whether you agree with it or not, it shouldn't just be brushed to the side as if, oh, it doesn't matter, right? So this is what they had to say about Jordan Love. Currently, he is the 18th ranked quarterback in the league. Previously, he was 20th. This is their most recent write-up. You wouldn't know it from the box score, but Jordan Love played one of the best games as a pro against the Steelers. Love showed all the stuff that sold the Green Bay Packers on him in the first place. He was unwavering in the pocket and flashed bits of creativity to get the ball out from unique angles. He was aggressive down the field and made a lot of the right decisions for the majority of the game. Uh, I love that they put that in there because you got to have the caveat there. You got to, you know, the, the few mistakes that, you know, some would say did cost them the game, right? Uh, Love's ball placement was better than usual, too. Completely agree with that. Uh, it's just that, again, the consistency of the offense suffers because everyone is so young, Love included. That popped, popped up at different points, but especially toward the end when the Packers were trying to claw the game back. Um, Love threw his first interception in part because Christian Watson had no idea how to play the ball in the air. <laughs> Listen, I'm taking a shot. And then Love threw a second pick in the final minute of the game, trying to force a ball over the middle that was never there. Disappointing as the as the finish was, you saw in the game that Love might be the guy moving forward. And again, when we broke that play down on Chalk Talk, like we said, it, it wasn't a perfect throw. Christian Watson ran a crappy route, didn't play the ball great in the air. <laughs> And I didn't like to play golf, so there's plenty of blame to go around there. So I thought that was a cool – I think that's a pretty fair assessment, don't you, Tim, of Jordan at this point, man? I think so. I, I, I think that's that's fair. I think yeah. it's fair. Um, probably fair to, to Christian Watson, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, I was talking to my wife last night. We we had a little debate. I said – I had this feeling. I said, is, is Christian Watson Marquez Valdez Scantling reincarnated? Like did did we did we get rid of MVS and we drafted another speed guy and um, you know we said the same things about MVS man he can get down the field but some of these contested catches and you know he had drop issues things like that routes weren't great and then of course we get rid of him and we see him have these streaky games in Kansas City where you know you get you know five to eight catches you know buck fifty a touchdown. But then he'll he'll go away and then, you know, three, two, three games and you don't see him anymore. And it's like it's almost kind of what we've seen with Scoot where every once in a while he'll he'll pop up and have himself a game, you know, and then we don't see him for a while. So, I, I you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm off with that uh, comparison. I've heard Steve Smith uh, senior talk about, you know, Christian being a speed guy, not a number one guy, you know. But uh, so I think that's fair. Um, but it, it's a great s- summary. You know, we're a young team. We say it at nauseum. It's true. And we see it every day. But, you know, I think week to week, guys are are learning from their mistakes. And we're seeing, you know, the mistakes that are being made um, look like they're not as catastrophic and they're not quite as bad week to week. And we do see slight improvements, although it is kind of, you know, two steps forward, one step back at times. But um, I don't know. I agree. J-Love definitely had one of his better performances um, last week. So. Hopefully this Sunday it's even better. Definitely. And when you're talking about Christian Watson, like, you know, I don't think Christian Watson, this is just my assessment right now, I don't think Christian Watson will ever be on Tay's level. That's just me personally. I have no reason to believe that right now, right? But Tay in his second year, guys, looked nothing like Tay today. And he would be the one to tell you that. Now, Rodgers, you know, always stuck – Mike McCarthy – stuck his neck out for Tay when everybody was calling for him to be cut and the drops were horrible and this and that Mike would come to the podium and be like, that kid's got a ton of potential. You, you, it's just going to take some time. And I remember thinking, I don't know. I think Mike just kind of fell in love with the player and you know, this and that. And then sure enough, man, a few years later, you're going, Holy cow, big Mike knew what he was talking about. Surprise. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah. So I, you know, with Christian, it's the second year. And there's a reason that people talk about a sophomore slump all the time in the NFL, right? The tape's out on him now, right? So DBs are going to play him a certain way. You couple that with the fact that we keep trying to force the ball to him. That's the issue I see on tape personally. And I could be wrong, but uh and you know, what did Tay do to get to get himself better? You know, coming, you know, second year and going into year three. He hit the freaking weight room, number one. Mm-hmm. Um he made a religious commitment and dedication to route running. Devontae became an absolute film nerd when it came to 
his routes and other receivers, how they're running a route, com- you know, comparing and contrasting to the point now where we look at Tay and it's like, who runs better routes than Devontae Adams? I mean, there's a handful of names we could throw out there. And when I look at Scoot, those are the things I see, you know, like his body, you know, playing into getting into that NFL body as a receiver, um, being more physical at the catch point, and then, you know, crisping up those routes. We, we talked about this on Chalk Talk, man. You know, he's merging these, you know, a route concept, and it's looking more, it, you know, sometimes you want a route to be choppy. Sometimes you need a route to be fluid. And I feel like when it's chop, when we need it to be choppy, it's fluid. And when we need it to be fluid, it's choppy. You know, those are things that Scoot can work on. And I, I agree. You know, I think if he crisps up those routes and he's getting more technical with his feet and his hand placement, we know he's got the speed. You know, Scoot's one of those guys, you know, we talk about the difference between being fast and being quick. You know, you take a guy like Christian Watson, he's both quick twitch and breakaway speed. Now, if you combine that with better route running. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I I do. I, I could see him making that that turn. But you know, right now, like you said, we haven't we haven't really seen it, but we didn't really see it in year two with, with uh Devontae either. So that's a great point, Clayton. I agree. Yeah. And you know, LaFleur talked about it too with Christian. And I think LaFleur the way he sees it is is very very accurate. He's he's you've got to be patient. You've got to be patient with that double move. You've got to get your head back. You got to do the little things. It's what Tay did so well. So, uh, like I said, I'm not giving up on him. This this whole conversation that people are oh, who's the number one? Who's the number one? Who's the number one? There's not just one receiver on the field, so it doesn't matter who the number one is. The goal is to see, scheme guys open and maximize your opportunities. Right. Devontae Adams isn't walking through that door where we can just go, okay, let's isolate Devontae Adams all day, right? Let's try to get him in a position where he can run a choice route and Aaron's just going to flick his wrist, throw it 120 mile an air and get it right in the window and first and 10 move the chains. Those days are over. Yeah, And even those days got us in trouble too sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Key holding, you know, targeting Devontae, everyone knew it. Mm -hmm. The 49ers game, you had Lazard running wide open across the middle of the field at the end, right? But again, like everybody teaches Tim, when the game's on the line, think player don't not play, right? Um, but there's no two ways about it. That was the open receiver was Lazard coming across, and I still get still have nightmares about that game. Jeff Schultz in the chat says, too early for draft thoughts. No idea who will be available until it's time to pick. Plus, who knows which players will show they should or shouldn't be replaced. Got to keep evaluating. 
I agree on the evaluation, but Jeff, one thing we do on this show, man, the reason we call it total access is because we want to always be looking at it how the team's looking at it. Right now, there is an army of scouts focusing on those players. Brian Gudikins is hopping around from, from city to city watching these college games, right? We want to be doing the same thing from a distance. So, um, you know, appreciate you being in here, but if if you don't like draft talk this time of year, I completely understand. There are plenty of other podcasts where people are just talking about the hot button topics, right? Um, that's, we definitely don't want this to be one of those shock jock type shows. We want it to be one that kind of comes from the angle of the team and all right, let's look at it from every, every single aspect right now, the X's and O's on the field, you know, what are we trying to do schematically? Okay. How are the injuries looking? Let's go to Packers insider, Paul Brettel. What are you seeing there in town? Let's bring in Mike Wall, former NFL, you know, offensive line. What are you seeing on tape? All right, let's go look at the draft data. Who are some of the prospects coming up? We want to cover all the bases, try to do it in a timely manner. So appreciate you being in here, though, buddy, for sure. And I know there are some people, Ryan talks about it all the time, Tim. Not that Jeff is, but there are some people that if you mention the draft any time other than April, they get angry. <laughs> it's like Those it's are probably – and, again, this is not Jeff, but those are probably some of the same fans that thinks the uh, season starts uh, week one. And that preseason doesn't matter. And let, let me know when week one starts. Right. You know, we try to try to keep that bird's eye view 365 days a year. And, um, you know, Jeff made a great point, though, too. You know, um, he said, uh, you know, we're still evaluating. And I agree with that. You know, and part of that is looking at our guys versus, you know, this draft class. Right. And uh, what other pieces we can bring in, not to mention, you know, potential free agent market, things like that you're always looking and that's part of part of eval for sure you know and mm -hmm. i don't think we're going too in depth into the draft talk this early i think we're just you know it's there and we have to discuss it we're you know we're looking at college players right now just like you said from a distance goody's probably a little more hands-on with the with the scouting staff <laughs> um but i'm sure as we creep up towards the end of this season and we start creeping into the off season yeah the draft talk's going to ramp up even more um, I don't think it's uh, it's unfair to pepper in a little draft talk because, uh, you know, if you see it, you got to say it and uh, we got to look forward. Right. We know where we're at right now. We got to start looking ahead. That's what you do with a young team. You have to, you're, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You do, man, for sure. Um, let's do this since we were talking receiver here real quick. Um, you know, Romeo Dobbs, I, I've seen some people in the chat, you know, mention Romeo Dobbs is the number one and, and, and this and that. Um I think Dobbs, me personally, I see him, and I could be wrong. We're going to kind of dive into it a little bit. But based off my evaluation, looking at, you know, okay, how does PFF see him? How does SIS see him? Um, you know, how often is he being targeted? When is he being targeted? And what coverage is he being to? All those things, right? How he's creating separation. The touchdown catch was what a great route, right, this last Sunday. I see Dobbs as a very good number two wide receiver. And if you try to make him that go-to slam dunk number one receiver where we're going to force the ball to him like we're trying to do Christian Watson right now, then he loses what makes him so great. But they did a really cool video on him over at Packers uh, Packers.com. We're going to hit it real quick, and then we're going to come back and kind of look at the PFF grades of Dobbs. And you'll notice when we find Dobbs on the list, you'll see two other Packers wide receivers right there, and it might surprise you who they are. It's really cool. But here, uh, like I said, you can find this at – the Packers YouTube channel, you can find it on Twitter for free and also on Packers.com, but they did an excellent job with this video. In a league and a position that can be very loud, and look at me, you come across very calm. Where does that come from? What do you attribute that to? That's a skill that you gotta have. Um, you know, so I was that same kid in high school. Um, coming into college where the atmosphere got a lot bigger, I had to make sure I was that same person as well. And I know there is no other level bigger than this league. So again, it just comes with experience, just making sure that, you know, I make sure I prepare myself, you know, to be in those positions where I know and I'm confident enough that, you know, I'm going to make this play and stay calm here or just being that overall ball player. Romeo, you lead the team in catches and touchdowns. Your six touchdown catches have all come in the red zone. 
When something happens that often, it's not a coincidence. What's the secret? I just try to get open in the end zone, man, you know, in that area. And I just try to, uh, you know, make sure I take advantage of those opportunities. Because again, you know, it's get the good points on the board, but with seven points on the board, it's, you know, it's phenomenal. Is there anything about the compressed space in the red zone that you make work to your advantage? Again, I mean, if I get, you know, one-on-one -on -one ops, I make sure I take advantage of those. And I know just being in that red zone area, uh, depending on the situation, it can get off schedule quite fast, you know? So it's just a mindset thing. I, I see it as a win-win situation, you know, because I know Jordan's ability, you know, to get the ball off his hands or use his legs is quite of a deal. And I know we got receivers, tight ends, and backs that can make plays in that end as well. So, you know, it's just a pick your poison type of deal. Leaping grab, Romeo Death, touchdown, sensational throw, you now have uh, 33 catches for the season. 23 of those have resulted in first downs. That's darn near 70%. Does your chemistry with Mr. Love have anything to do with that, do you think? Yes, um, you know, we work at it throughout the week, just building that confidence, building that chemistry. It all starts in practice, um, starts in the film room as well. So I just try to make sure that I take advantage of those and just whenever the play's on the line, I just gotta make sure I'm there for them so we can keep converting those. Now against the Steelers, Romeo, you guys had eight plays of 20 or more yards. You guys have been searching for the big play. Was that production a matter of scheme, execution? What brought that about, do you think? A little bit of everything, man, because uh, we've been playing ball. This past game has been our most complete game. Like we always say, once the offense start clicking, usually good things start to happen. So tons of explosives on the field, a very great first possession of the game when we came out and scored. But again, it just comes down to just, you know, being a pro football player and just continue to build those habits and be better in the long run. What's the plan for yourself and your teammates moving forward now? Playing our game, um, just making sure that we continue to build and make more explosive plays as an offense or just continue to play complementary football in all three phases. You know, and for myself, just making sure that I be that leader in the room um, and just keep playing the game that I'm playing. I love it, man. I love Larry McCarron. He is so good at what he does, man. So passionate. Um, Got to do the pinky salute. The well, it's, it's, it's tough to see, man, when he holds that mic up and that thing's a dangling like a, I don't know, I don't know what it looks like, to be honest with you. One of those, one of those Franks, I guess, hanging there dangling. But anyway, Carly Ray in the chat says, uh, "I know I'm coming, coming at this from a different perspective, and I have a lot to learn. We all do, Carly, but I don't understand the purpose slash value in continuing to place much stock in players' draft pick numbers after the first year. Um, everyone will develop differently their first year in the NFL. After that, why does the former draft pick even matter? Um, let's see what else she says right here." And she says, other than maybe uh, proving that draft and develop might not be our strong suit. I'll tell you this, Carly. Um, there are many people within the game of football, and you, you may even find it in the book, Take Your Eye Off the Ball. I can't remember if he uh, specifically mentions it, but many front up, many teams, I should say, especially coaching staffs, they don't care where you were drafted. They, they, it's, you, you hit the nail on the head right here. After the first year, everyone would de develop differently. After that, why does the former draft pick even matter? It doesn't because all that matters, and you've heard players say this, so all that matters is you make it. And yep. once you make it, now it's what are you contributing to the team? What are you grading out? Because typically, you know, Mike Wall pointed this out the other day, and I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but the teams will grade players. They'll go, okay, what was your scheme, your fundamental scheme grade like? Did you your assignment grade, if you will? You did you know where to be, where you where you were supposed to be, and then there's the execution grade of how well did you do your job, right? That's all that matters to coaching staffs. Now the problem is you've got front offices who, if they make a pick, right, and then let's say they Jordan Love, for example, if Jordan Love doesn't pan out and he continues to play in the middle of the pack or on the bottom half of the of the quarterback, you know, roster across the NFL, then guess what? Goody's probably going to lose his job and Goody set this franchise back. Right. So you want to hang on to that as long as possible because maybe it clicks. Right. Because it's his reputation on the line. That's how the front office looks at it. And that's why it's so important that the coaching staff should be 
really, really lockstep. You see it in San Francisco. There's no ego out there. Ego has no amigo. I heard that a long time ago, right? Like you see that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are joined at the hip and they'll make a draft pick. They'll, they'll spend a ton of draft capital. That's another thing too. People, they'll spend a ton of draft capital to go up and get a Trey Lance because they feel convicted to get him. Now, Kyle Shanahan wasn't on board with it, but the front office was. But the, the real win there, the real, real victory is admitting, hey, you know what? We screwed that up. He's not the guy. Let's move on. That's what you got to do, right? So with that being said, Kyle Shanahan has a lot of say out there, but isn't it amazing that people who don't want to trade up and they value the conversation we had last night, Tim, I don't know if you got a chance to catch it, but they it's like they value the draft pick so much that we're not willing to give that up to trade up. We're just not willing to do it. But the team who's willing to do it completely whiffed on the quarterback and they still have an amazing roster. Oh, by the way, it's also the same team that just traded a precious third round pick for Chase freaking Young. Yep. Like, and you wonder why they're one of the best teams in the league. But uh, anyway, back to Dobbs. Um, great stuff, Carly Red, and I think you're spot on there. I really do. Um, let's look at Jeff agrees as well. Hey, let's look at that once. We got Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, right? They were both drafted in the same year. Mm-hmm. Okay, different picks, right? Who? What do you? Where do you think the development is between those two? Who do you think's developing a little more, and who's got more production in their second year? Between who? Between Dobbs and Watson. Yeah, it's Dobbs. I think we, I think we got to give the edge to Romeo. Yep. So, who, you know, to Carly's point, who cares about when they were picked? Right. You know, we've got a let's we've got NFL tape here. Let's take a look. Um, I think uh, one thing I gathered from from all this conversation is we talk about a bona fide number one receiver. I'm going to go ahead. This might be kind of a hot take. I think I think our team is better without one. I think this team has enough talent, enough youth. That as we move forward, we don't necessarily need that that Jerry Rice, that Devontae Adams, that that standout number one. I think we've got a lot of talent here that if we continue to spread the ball around and we're not trying to force it to one receiver or one target, I think we have a better chance to win. Honestly. I mean, yeah. look at the targets we have. I mean, if you took, you know, let's let's say Reed Wicks, Dobbs, Scoot, and Musgrave. You know, why do we want one guy to have more targets in a game? Why why do we not want to get that ball spread around? I, I it's just how I'm looking at it. I think, you know, not having a number one could help us. Honestly, I agree. And you know, your number one receiver can be a it can be a different number one every single play. Exactly. Right? Now, when you have a generational talent like Tay Adams or Sterling Sharp or, you know, whoever, insert a name, Jordy Nelson, you know, I wouldn't say he's generational, but just a, I mean, a slam dunk number one receiver. What you do when they, when they, when they do damage on a consistent basis is now you force the defense to bracket cover. You force them to adjust their game plan around this guy, much like teams have to adjust their entire blocking scheme around someone like an Aaron Donald, right? You got to make sure he's the mock every, every play. There's a double on him. We're not going to let him beat us. Someone else can beat us, but he's not going to beat us. That's what happens when you got a true superstar at wide receiver. When you don't have that, or at least they may be on this roster and they haven't emerged yet, then you're exactly spot on to him. And even when you get one, just, you know, when they start to put that extra attention to him, that doesn't mean you continue to force on the ball. That means someone else is going to be open. There's going to be right. another weakness in the defense. It's absolutely huge. It sounds elementary, but it's worth mentioning for sure. It's true. And, and, and you know, counterpoint, we did that with Devontae. You know, the whole world knew Tay was our dude, and we were able to, you know, draw that safety help with him. And then, you know, like you said, hit Lazard or hit these other guys that are going to, that are going to free up. But I think you can do that without a bona fide number one. You know, whoever's got that hot hand, like you said, uh, per play, per game, you know, like you you always say that, man. you got to make adjustments in real time in a game, you know. And please believe if Romeo Dobbs is lighting you up all day, you're going to start seeing adjustment, and that's where Reed, Wicks, these other guys can can eat off of that, you know. So, I don't know. I want to see them spread it around, man. I, and I think we'll see that this – I can almost guarantee we're not going to see any more forced balls to Christian Watson. I, I really hope on Sunday we don't see that. Yeah, and, you know, the reason you were able to make it work with Tay, like you said, everybody knew we were throwing the ball. You had 
you had a superhuman quarterback throwing darts out there too. I mean, he could put it in a six inch window, right? Um, you can, it's hard to defend that. That's what Aaron was saying when he was here is like, I don't think you want me to just turn this off and become a robot quarterback. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's wild, man, to kind of look back. I love to go back sometimes and just randomly pick a year, you know, 2019, 2020, and go look at the scores and go, let's go watch that game just to kind of put things back into perspective. Okay, here's what we were doing well. Here's what how we were actually attacking on offense, that type of thing. But when you talk about the PFF numbers, I think I've got the, the, uh, the screenshot thing figured out. This should be the last one you guys get blurred. Not this one, but this show should be the last show. I think I figured out the issue. But this is where Romeo Dobbs sits, according to PFF. He is 45th in the league at a 70.6 PFF grade. In 52nd place is Dontavian Wicks at a 68.5. And then you go down just a couple more spots, and you got Jaden Reed at a 67.7 in the 54th spot. So essentially, when you look at that, obviously, if you're in a, a base 12 or a base 21, you're going to have two receivers on the field, right? So 64, the top 64, according to PFF, are starting caliber, okay? Some of these players on this list might be the number three or number four receiver on their team because that team's deep at wide receiver, right? But when you look at it, Dobbs at the 45th spot, that's a very good number two receiver, according to PFF. <coughs> you go down to Dontavian Wicks, that's a solid number two receiver. Jaden Reed, that's a solid number two receiver. That's exciting. The floor in the receiver room is starting to raise a touch. Last year, we led the league in drops. This year, we're sixth, right? So you see it starting to improve a little bit. Um, and everybody, I mean, the amount of money we've saved uh, on, on, on the wide receiver room, comparatively speaking to the rest of the league is absolutely wild how much money we're saving there for sure so yeah uh, and it's a it's a delicate dance right when we talk about we've also alluded to you know lack of veteran leadership out there um mm -hmm. especially on offense um and it's a tough balance because sure you want those guys but you also want to stay young and you also want to be fast and you want to be you know agile and you want to think ahead. So, you know, you're you're stuck between a rock and a hard place a lot of times because if you have too many veterans, then you're old. And if you don't have enough, then you're too young. You know, it's a – I wouldn't – like I said, I wouldn't want Goody's job. I really wouldn't because that guy has got to be stressed 24 hours a day, honestly. No, yeah, and that's what Mike said too. Mike was like, Clayton, that's a tough job because you got to be cold-blooded, you know. Um, ah, it's wild. Uh, Omer in the chat said, is Matt capable talking about scheming guys open? No Adams, no A-Rod. He hasn't done so since consistently. I agree, but this is the first year, right? And everyone's kind of getting used to each other, and you've got to take that into account. I am as impatient as you are, Omer. I promise you that. Um, but we got to kind of let this year play out and see if they can put it together, right? Um, I will say this from watching the tape. One of the things that I've picked up is Matt's doing a good job scheming people open quarterback sometimes isn't getting to that right answer. That's just my opinion. Um, you see guys open, you see him scheme, uh, even when you don't necessarily scheme them open and you got someone kind of squatting, but Tay Wicks runs an excellent route and creates that separation on the sideline. You're, you're talking about a, a play where it was second and 16. And if that throws on the money, everything is drawn up perfectly with the route concept and Tay Wicks and his route running ability that you should be looking at a third and short. Instead, you're looking at third and 16 because your quarterback airmailed it, right? That's the inconsistency with Jordan Love, and that's why I think people like the 33rd team have him right there in the middle of the pack, maybe in the in the bottom half of the pack there at the 18th spot. So, again, though, improved from last week. Let's see if he can do it again this week because uh, they've got a mean pass rush coming in, Tim. I mean a mean pass rush, and we've got a video from Packers.com for that. It's about two minutes long. Let's check it out, briefly talk about the Chargers game. We'll get out of here, man. Snap to Love, looking around. Lofts it right corner of the end zone. Leaping back, corner of the end zone. Touchdown! I thought he was playing with a lot of confidence. I thought he was pretty decisive. Made some big-time throws down the field. Deep over the left side. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers! I just see a guy that continues to grow and develop and learn and takes the coaching really well, takes accountability for when we're not playing at the level that we'd like to play at, and is a great example for all these guys. 
Next up for Jordan Love and Company, a Los Angeles Chargers pass rush that ranks in the top three in sacks in the NFL this season. Introducing the chief reason why. Number 52, Khalil Mack, the three-time All-Pro, regularly outmaneuvers would-be blockers all the way to the quarterback. Mack's racked up a team-high nine sacks and three forced fumbles through nine games. And he's got a wingman in four-time Pro Bowler Joey Bosa. He, too, regularly blows up plays in the backfield. This tandem has combined for 26 sacks and seven forced fumbles in their two seasons together in L.A. And with Jordan Love, now the league leader in completions of 30 yards or more, the goal for this Packers offense, take advantage when it counts. When you're focused on your process, you're focused on getting better each and every day, just maximizing your opportunities. And I think our guys are getting better. Now we got to capitalize on some opportunities. We wanted to see progress within the offense. And I can tell you, like, from the past three games up until now, we're moving the ball better. We just got to score and capitalize in the red zone. It'll be a totally different game. We just got to see ourselves getting better as an offense, as a team, um, each week for sure. There you go. Again, that was from uh, Packers.com. Make sure you guys go over there to their YouTube page as well. Give them a like, um, that type of stuff. Let's make sure we're supporting their content and what they're doing. Um, Would love you look being at that to... there. Did that, did that catch your ear, Clayton? What's that? Jay Love with that with that stat. The yeah, the, pointed the, out, uh, league leader in passes over 30 yards. Absolutely. Someone uh, throw a deep ball. Uh, yeah, someone tweeted that at me last night too. And I was going, hey, there you go now. So you – Immediately I go, okay, why? Right. Let's kind of put it into context. I try not to be the fanboy, you know. Like right. like I said the other day when Mike Wall smacked me down and was like, Clayton, every college quarterback can make that throw. Like, All right. All right, Mike, you got me. Um, but you know, we've been playing from behind, right? So mm. that has a lot to do with him kind of throwing deep. Now, the the deep accuracy is still an issue. But the fact that they have connect, connect when you look at the deep accuracy and say, okay, the deep accuracy is an issue. We can see that on on paper. You can see it on the tape. But somehow we're you know kind of up there in those receptions of thirty yards or more, right, or passes of thirty yards or more. Um, you got to kind of put it into perspective and say, okay, it's because we're losing. He's probably taking more shots. I would like to see the attempts too. I guess is what I'm trying to say, Tim. Yeah. Nonetheless, it's a positive stat. There's no doubt about it. And you're seeing that heating up a little bit now, right? The play to Musgrave down the middle of the field, right? Uh, The deep crosser to Jaden Reed that I lost my mind over. Um, All of those, you're starting to see more of those here recently, and I think it goes hand-in-hand with what Coach LaFleur said. He's continuing to grow, and I love what he said. He's accountable, and you know, he's just one of those guys. He's going to stand up there and go, come at me. Don't come at my teammates. Come at me. And then what did you hear Christian Watson? Uh, earlier the week, Christian Watson was saying how he needed to play better, and he it's you know he needs to be better for love. And then Love come out and said it's not all, it's not all on him because he's heard Christian catching all this heat. Like some of this is on me too. Um, you're you're getting a foundation put in place. You've got a group of receivers. We know what Christian Watson can do. We seen him last year in the second half of the season, Tim. I mean he he dominated the second half of the season last year. We know what he can do. Now you're starting to see the floor rise with Wicks, Reed, and Dobbs, I'm telling you, man, 20 – that's what bothers me so much about the Rasul Douglas trade is because if we hadn't traded Rasul Douglas, I'd be sitting here going, you know what, 2024, a couple pieces in place, we might have a something here. But then you take that step back for a – you know, I don't mean to keep harping on it. It just drives me crazy, man. <laughs> like you're going to – with with the fourth rounder, which is, like I said, the true value they got, like, like in the fourth round, you're going to be able to find Rasul Douglas just like that. We don't even know if you could find one in the first round. I mean, we've seen that with Kevin King, right? We've seen that with, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's just tough, man. So, but anyway, yeah, that's that's exciting, though, man, that uh, that stat about the 30 yards or more because things are starting to click a little bit, right? Yep. And then you flip to the, the other point in that video, too. You know, we talk about Khalil Mack. We talk about Bosa. You know, this. I'm kind of glad we played the Steelers last week good primer for this type of matchup because here's here's another defense that uh you know has a couple of weapons here that are gonna that can create havoc and uh our offensive line has got to be on their p's and q's um i i certainly think uh, la's strong suit is probably their offense um but you know bosa mac they they've got weapons on defense too so boys yeah. got to be ready to roll here on sunday if we want to get anything going 
uh, against the Chargers for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Drew D said, I'd rather have my quarterback taking too many shots down field than refusing to throw deep at all. I think there's a good balance there, Drew. It's important to have a good balance, right? Um, I know it is funny, though, to me that last year um, people were saying that uh, Aaron's just out there playing hero ball and Jordan's thrown deep more than Aaron this year. <laughs> I'm going, I don't know. It kind of seemed like he was playing. I, I was on both sides of that argument, though, Drew. Like, that's that was the tough part for me. One week, I would point out a statistic with Aaron, and they'd say, yeah, but all he's, all he's doing is dinking and dunking. He, he, there's no air yards attached. And then the next week, there'd be air yards attached. And then people would tag me and go, look at him playing hero ball. I'm like, what, what is he supposed to do? You're just, yeah. Same you're thing supposed with to do all of those things, right? You're supposed to play hero ball sometimes when you need to. And then you're, you got to pick apart a defense, dinking and dunking. I mean, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, man. Bet, you know, oh, he's a game manager. Yeah, well, game managed his way to two two championships and right. pretty stellar career. Um, You know, say what you want. Yeah, since we're since we're talking about kind of attacking down the field and this and that, let's let's talk a little bit about what the Packers' uh, identity is, right? So on the offensive side of the ball, here is the personnel groupings this year. Okay, we've run eleven personnel sixty-two percent of the time, twelve personnel thirty-one percent of the time, and twenty-one three percent of the time. Okay, and that twenty-one nine times out of ten is the pony package or the emptied out pony package, right? Where you've got A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time. So you see that 11 personnel and you think that's a high number. Every team in the league runs more 11 personnel than any other personnel, you know, that you can run on the offensive side of the ball. Look at the percentage ranked. They're 18th in 11 personnel in the league. Now, take into consideration, do you want Tucker Craft on the field or do you want a Tay Wicks or Jaden Reed, right? Yep. I would lean toward Tay Wicks and Jaden Reed. So you want to get that in the top 10, in my opinion. Now, I know the, uh, there's many people that would disagree with that. You always hear me complain about 12 personnel, right? 12 personnel, we ran at 31% of the time. And on the surface, people will probably say, well, that's not near as much as 11, Clayton. It's not. But look at the percentage ranked across the NFL. Third, <laughs> they've run 12 personnel, the third highest of any NFL team in the entire league. Tim. Can we just flip those two? That's where I'd like to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be totally cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. And and to do that, you would probably need to get 11 personnel up in the 70 percentile, right? Up in the 70 percent range and get that other one somewhere down there around the 20 percent range. Right. Yep. And again, not that you can't come back to it. I'm not saying 12 personnel is evil or anything. You could come back to it. But when teams are keying in on it, that's why your running game's not working. If you can key in on running out of 11 personnel, spreading things out a bit, you'd have some more success. Right. And when I was talking offline with Mike the other day, I said, you know, the last thing we talked about was simplifying. He said, yeah, what did we come up with? I said, well, I, you know, my big thing was we felt like we need to simplify the run blocking game. He said, how do you think they've done on that? And I said, I said, well, they've removed the sift. You know, the tight ends crossing post-snap, crossing formation, the split flow, whatever you want to call it. In some cases, it wasn't split zone. It's just them crossing regardless. Um, and he went, yeah, he said, but Clayton, that's what I told you yesterday. But Clayton, he got in the camera, he went, they're not even good at zone right now. <laughs> That's a good point. So with that being said, the only thing left is personnel, right? Mm-hmm. You go to 11 personnel, force the nickel. That's what teams are doing to us. That's why they're able to run the ball on us. That and we're, we're one of, if not the worst tackling teams in the entire league, right? So when you talk offensive identity, okay, this is basically the percentage of splits of, you know, what we've done specifically from an offensive identity standpoint, okay? We're in shotgun 72% of the time, under center 28% of the time. We use motion 58% of the time, and I don't have the percentage ranks. I wish I did, but I remember the motion being we're in the bottom half of the league in motion. You guys remember last year when everyone was blaming Aaron Rodgers because we weren't using motion? Although motion percentage went up last year from 2021, we just didn't talk about it in 2021 because we had – 13 wins and Aaron won an MVP, right? So you're seeing the per- the percentage of motion go down too. That surprised me. Uh, gap run, 34%. Uh, zone run, um, 66% of the time we're running zone. Uh, play action, 22% of the time. We're dropping back 78% of the time. Versus man, twenty. We've our snaps, 24% of our snaps have come against man coverage, and 56 has come against uh, zone, 27% against the blitz. 
And then we've been under pressure only 28% of the time. We told you that's like the second best in the league. The offensive line's really holding up in the pass blocking game. Short drop, 44%, and deep drop, 33%. I just wanted to throw those out there, Tim, just to kind of give people an idea of, okay, here's here's how the percentages are laying out right now offensively. But more specifically, that that personnel grouping was important to me because it just kind of shows you where we're sitting across the league. I want to get that 11 personnel up a little bit and really see what these young receivers can do in a more consistent manner. So what do you think, man? I absolutely agree. And, um, you know, we can't say it enough too. you know, get out of some of these condensed looks um, a little bit, you know, spread, spread it out a little bit more. I'm not saying run away from your condensed sets, but um, you know, and the nasty sets work, you know, you can do some creative things out of those. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I think we're kind of oversaturating the offense with that. And it's, it's becoming somewhat predictable for defenses. Um, I would rather keep an opposing defense on edge by, you know, they, you, they can't really figure out, you know, how we're leaning because we're mixing up 11 and 12 personnel. We're peppering in 21 personnel. We are going spread. Um, we're going empty spread. Um, things like that. I just feel like we, and we do all of these things. I'm not saying we don't do these things. I just feel like the, the, the balance could be a little bit better. Uh, right. Maybe adjust, tilt the scales a little bit and, uh, keep those defenses having the scheme and, and, you know, make those opposing D coordinators have to, you know, earn their check, man, because uh, sometimes I'm not going to say we're fully predictable, but our tendencies certainly are, you know, I mean, yeah, I was watching that game last week and I just kept watching, you know, I'm looking for personnel groups as they huddle up, you know, you watch the subs, you want to see what they're, what they're running, take your eye off the ball, right? Look for your tight ends, look for your, your running backs, look at your personnel groupings. And I was just seeing, I'm like, oh, we're going to go condensed again. We're going to go condensed. I can see it. My wife's looking at me like, how do you know? You know, I'm like, just watch. Sure enough, here it is. You know, you can tell based on the personnel a lot of times. Um, And I think maybe we'll see that. You know, we have to give our our staff credit too. You know, I don't, Matt LaFleur does not strike me as a guy that's going to keep his head in the sand and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, bang his head against the wall repeatedly with no results. I, I do think he'll mix it up and I'll, I think we'll see some of those changes going forward. Look at this guy. This guy right here. There's always this guy right here. Milio. Milio. I was sitting here looking at I was looking at the clock going, we're out of here in under an hour. And then it went, and there comes yeah. Emilio. <laughs> so, Sorry about what's that. going on, man? Uh, nothing, nothing. Sunny day. Great oh. day. Chilling, man. Look at everybody in the chat. Everybody's already shouting it in the chat, Emilio. I got to hit it for him. I got to give it to him one time here, man. If I could find it, where did it go? Man, it's it really snuck down the power rankings here on the video test. Uh-oh. All right, man. What, what's your take here before we wrap this thing up? Get, take us home here. I'm, I'm I missed half of it, man. I'm just excited for the team. I heard you guys talking about the, the pressure rate and the motion rate, and I'm just I, I got to go back and listen, man. I'm just excited. I just wanted to, you know, wish the team good luck. Get this uh, get this show on the road. We got to get back on a win streak because that back to back didn't work out for us. So. <laughs> No doubt about it, man. I was actually looking at the schedule just a second ago. I can read it off to you guys, but everybody, everybody fired up. Emilio swung through. Mm-hmm. Glad he did too. Um, strength of schedule here, real quick. I just want to hit on it. Uh, this is according to the thirty third team. All right, and basically they have a point system. They use SIS. It's powered by SIS. They use SIS data to kind of determine all right which teams are the best. So you can see Chicago. I'm going to go through our previous schedule and then what we got left. Chicago was ranked 26, Atlanta 23rd, New Orleans 14th, Detroit 8th, then the Raiders 31st, Broncos 25th, Minnesota Vikings 12th. Vikings boys, I'm telling you, they, uh, they're putting some stuff together. It's pretty wild. Rams 19th, Pittsburgh 17th. So coming up next, the, the, the next game, obviously, with the Chargers is 9th. And then, of course, you got the Lions again at 8th. And then you got those Chiefs that the 33rd team has ranked 2nd in the league, Tim. Um, tough stretch coming up, man. We're about to find out a lot about this team, ain't we? I think we just got to steal one of these tough games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we can steal one of these tough games, we might set ourselves up for some momentum there towards the end of the year where the schedule looks a bit easier as far as your opponents go. Um, and wouldn't that be thrilling? You know, playoffs are, are probably not in the picture, but man, wouldn't it be cool to rattle off a four or five game win streak to close out the year for this team, a team who hasn't won two games in a row yet this whole season? I'd love to see it. We talk about evaluation and how this team responds. 
I think if we, you know, start Sunday, it'd be nice to get a dub at home, but then stealing one of those games from those, you know, nobody thinks we can beat Kansas city. Nobody thinks we can beat Detroit, you know, right. but I know those boys in that locker room think they, they can. And um, you know, any given Sunday or Thursday as it were for Thanksgiving, but you know, I think if we, that'll be huge for morale, right? You go and steal one on the road against Detroit, you know, yes. come back home, tough game against Kansas city, maybe make that interesting. You never know. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe the attitude shifts a little bit as we close out this year. But Clayton, I think they're on pace, man. We're looking at um, the possibility of, uh, you know, we're only at three now, but we could get to six or seven, maybe even eight wins. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You you hit the nail on the head, Tim. I mean, like uh, Brian's potty was kind of going through, you know, some of the ones that came back and won it. But if we steal one of those, especially on national TV on Thanksgiving Day, if we can take that one from the Lions, you have no idea what that excitement's going to do for this Bro. team. You know, yep. you have absolutely no idea what's going to, what could start happening, you know, building towards the future. And what were we talking about early in the year? If we could build something at the end of the season that we can jump onto for next season. I mean, we're looking ahead. We're looking bright. That, that would be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Bro. I, immediately before you even said it, and I haven't heard Ryan say that yet, but in my mind, um, it was just, I was thinking, it's sad. It's somewhat sad, but at the same time, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. That Thanksgiving Day game—that's our Super Bowl this year. Like we've got a chance to go up there and go one of the best teams in the league, mm-hmm. and just—you know what I mean? In their house, everybody watching. Yep. Wearing the John Madden patch on the yep. Packers jersey. Like, come on, dude. And at the very least, guys, just don't get boat raced. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Take, take it down to the wire and show. Okay, the Packers are closer now than they were earlier in the year, they're yep. improving. Momentum is a real thing in the NFL. You ask any former player, any yep. coach, momentum is a real thing in the National Football League. And uh, I'm going to be sitting there with a turkey leg, <laughs> and dressing, and hey, tell them about it, Emilio, that canned oh. cranberry sauce, my man. Oh, look, he, he said, I can't do it. He's out. He was like, you ain't going to get me fired today. <laughs> he said, oh, was his last words. I'm wondering if the boss walked up. You think yeah, he said, oh. He's back. Look, he's got a black eye now. I hit the done instead of the chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll tell him about it. If it doesn't have the ridges, don't bring it to the table. If you don't hear the, um, the when it drops into the plate, it's a wrap. We don't need it. Yeah. Man, what are you talking about away from me with that stuff. I don't eat none of that stuff, man. <laughs> you don't even eat the real stuff, Tim. Man, give me that turkey. Give me that the mashed taters and that stuffing. Bro. Yeah, I'm I'm okay on the on the I cranberry need, sauce, real I or need, or canned. I need the cheapest cranberry sauce you can find, bro. I yeah. need that stuff. Like he said, you got the ridges from the can. It's, yeah. it's essentially jelly, right? Yep. <laughs> like, you give me a big old slab of that with the dressing on the side. Huh? Mm-hmm. Take it out. Right there, all day long in the bathroom. Took it out. I'm I'm so excited about Thanksgiving, man! I absolutely love. What it. time? What time is the game on Thanksgiving? Oh, I think it, I think it's the early game. Let's look it up. It's, I'm gonna go to the tape real quick. You guys say something smart. While okay, 12:30 well, Central, I think. Is it all right? Cool. Because I was worried if it was a late game, Clayton would be in the food coma, and if we wouldn't have him, it would just be a wrap. It, it, call it a night. 11:30 Central. Holy oh. cow. Yeah, eleven thirty central. See, I've got the bad news here, though, guys. Um, I might be able to make it work, but we're going out of town for Thanksgiving. But it's only—it's down in Rogersville, so it's kind of in between us, probably about an hour away. Yeah. I'm hoping that I can get back and do a post-game show, but probably ain't gonna happen, guys. That's all right. Probably I'll be happen. traveling. We'll blame the coma. That'll be funnier, right? We could just yeah, say, oh, you got her in a coma. He passed. He forgot to do the show. I should have kept my mouth shut. That would have been great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll probably be with family. And I'm telling you, though, man, that's going to be – there's nothing better than Thanksgiving football, man. Oh, it is absolutely awesome. And, again, we, we're all in a better place now because everyone's kind of accepted where the team is. All right, look, we're, yep. we're trying to create some momentum. Let's see what pieces we got. You can kind of watch stress-free, right? I don't know about you guys, but these last few years, every single game, it was like, I hope we don't lose today rather than I hope we win. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. it's just – it's a different mindset for sure. But uh, that's what happens when you're rebuilding. And, yes, I said rebuilding. That is a thing that's happening right now, and that's okay. Every team has to do it, especially when you uh, step away from, uh, you know, the best receiver in the game and – uh future Hall of Fame quarterback. But yep. anyway, Emilio, you screwed it up, dude. We were getting out of here on time. You messed everything up. But 
Final thoughts, Tim. What you got, buddy? Um, yeah, more of the same, guys. Let's uh, keep what's in front of us in front of us. That's this weekend. We've got a deal uh, with the Chargers. As uh, you can check out the ticker below, Keenan Allen obviously is going to try and go, it looks like. He's mm-hmm. uh, stepping it up. That's nasty, whatever he's got going on with that shoulder. I don't know if you saw him yeah. <laughs> after the last game. He had a big old knot on that shoulder. Um, Put so another one on it. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we talked about the Chargers D, you know, with uh, Bosa and Mac and some of these guys. Well, you know, they've got a they've got a hard charging offense, no pun intended there. Um, so, you know, I just hope the boys are ready. And uh, let's focus on this game. Uh, let's move on to uh, Thanksgiving talk after we get this dub at home here on Sunday. So go Pack Go. Let's go. Nilio, what yeah. you got, buddy? Like Tim said, just like Matt said, we got a game we got to play Sunday. We can't be thinking about Thanksgiving. I know we're excited. I know we're hungry, but uh, uh, let's just let's play the game that's ahead of us. Everyone's got to play sound football, you know, minimize the mistakes, maximize your opportunities and, uh, you know, just get out there and try to try to bring one home at, at home. You know, So um, I'm sure Tim's going to be there just bouncing off the wall and it's going to be a good time. Definitely. Well, I know this, man, you better. uh you better make sure you don't miss the next show here. Don't don't get out there on the job site today and and, and come away like this. On my knee. Um, you know. Well, you could fake a knee injury. You could <laughs> fake a knee injury and 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 hit more shows, right? You know. That's mm, it. You don't need to pay your bills. What's wrong with you? No, no. Man? Talk ball, man. All right, we're gonna get out of here. I want to thank everybody in the chat. You guys were awesome. This was a great morning conversation. Really, really appreciate everybody swinging through for those of you listening on the pod thank you for making us a part of your day no show tonight okay we're going to take the night off spend some time with family we'll be back tomorrow morning for good morning lambo and then again saturday evening for pta live and then of course we'll have us a pre-game show on sunday and then a post-game show on sunday and we'll kind of dive into the next week like like tim said let's hope we're coming out of there with a dub but with that being said thank you all for making us a part of your day As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go.